0: Hello and welcome to The Art of Selling Wine, the podcast for wine professionals and also for professional wine nerds. And today in this episode, I talk to Christophe Chateau. He is in charge of communications at the CIVB, at the Winemakers Association in Bordeaux. And with him, I talk about the perceived image of Bordeaux and the reality behind it and the changes that are going on. Welcome to The Art of Selling Wine. In this podcast, we explore the foundation of business success in the wine industry. And we also take a look at global game changers, such as changing climatic conditions, changing customer behavior and demands, emerging and fading distribution channels, and many topics alike that affect winemakers everywhere. My goal is to collect regional answers and strategies and spread the ideas worldwide. My name is Diego. I'm a wine marketing consultant specialized in the strategic brand positioning of small and medium sized family wineries. I have a background as a trained winemaker in Rheingau area, Germany and a degree in international wine business. This podcast is my contribution to the wine sector that I love so much. Enjoy it in the vineyards or in the cellar or while traveling as winemaker or sommelier. And don't hesitate to contact me. You are listening to The Art of Selling Wine, the podcast for wine professionals. This episode is presented to you by Wine Plus. Wine Plus is a German-based platform for wine professionals from all around the world. It is written W-E-I-N dot plus, W-E-I-N dot plus, And all the episodes of The Art of Selling Wine and my German podcast, Wine Verkauft, are available in early access for the Wine plus members. It's a free membership, so you don't have to pay, and you get two weeks early access to any episode. The Bordeaux series is also powered by Amorim Korg. Amorim Korg is partner of my German podcast, and therefore they enabled me to do this whole endeavor in Bordeaux. And if you are currently looking for a new supplier of high-quality cork, I recommend taking a look at Amorim Cork. And if you understand German, I also provide a nice German episode, I think it's number 62, with Gerd Reis. He's the CEO of the Northern European Division of Amorim Cork. And we talk about the renaissance of cork and the future of closing, closing systems for wine bottles. This whole series, the Bordeaux series, was made possible by a German company called Euramobil, Euramobil, you would pronounce it in English. They produce high-quality mobile homes and they provided me, meaning my wife and me, with a mobile home just for the trip to Bordeaux. And if you are interested in these kinds of things, I highly recommend going to The Art of Selling Wine, episodes 4, maybe 5, and taking a look at our Travel Diary. In that episode, we talk about all the funny things we got to see and uh, got to do in Bordeaux and all the accidents we had. And also I give you a brief overview about the mobile home we were in and how living and working in a mobile home actually turned out to be. Additional partner for the French series is vitisphere.com. Whenever you want to find out about what's going on in French wine business, I highly recommend visiting vitisphere. They are very helpful to our industry in France. The Bordeaux episodes were also supported by Bordeaux.com. It's the website of the Bordeaux Wine Growers Association, CIVB. And they supported me with giving me access to many, many, many of the interview partners that you are going to get to know in the following episodes. So now I am here with the man who has the perfect name for Bordeaux and uh, we are going to talk about uh, an organization that is critical for the marketing of Bordeaux and for the communication of Bordeaux, but uh, maybe it's the best if you shortly introduce yourself and so people have an idea who you are.
1: Hello, my name is Christophe Chateau, I'm originally from Bordeaux and uh, as my name can tell, as you said, I'm in charge of communication for Bordeaux Wine Council.
0: The Bordeaux Wine Council is uh, what exactly doing?
1: Uh, the Bordeaux Wine Council is the organization that have uh, 5500 winemakers, all the winemakers from Bordeaux appellations, which means Bordeaux, Medoc, Saint-Emilion, Sauternes, Cotes, etc. Also 300 wine merchants, some from Libourne and the other from Bordeaux, and also any brokers. And all those professionals are linked with the Bordeaux Wine Council, which is in charge of economy, research and development, and uh, marketing and communication.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, council, is it uh, fun- founded and uh, funded by the government or by the winemakers?
1: It, is, it has been founded by the government in 1948, at the same time as uh, the same organization for Cognac and Champagne. BNIC for Cognac and CIVC for Champagne. Oh. And now each region in France oh. has the same organization with uh, Appellation and Wine Council for the, the region. Mm-hmm. And for Bordeaux is the CIVB.
0: Ah, see. Merci. And uh, you said you have different tasks, so uh, marketing, research and development and the third one was? Economy. Economy. and uh, What is hidden behind each of these words, so what do you do? We are not buying
1: and we are not selling wine, this is not our business, but for example with economy, we are making uh, figures every uh, week and every month in order to uh, understand how the market is going. We are working with the custom to get the figures for export and we know every month how many bottles of Bordeaux, of Saint-Emilion, of Medoc have been exported to which market, which country, at what price. So this helps a lot in order to uh, uh, understand the markets and uh, we are also working a lot with the uh, French uh, supermarket to to understand what are the sales and we are also looking at what we are producing in order to get good uh, equilibrium between uh, offer and demand.
0: Okay I understand. Um, so the market research part, um, when you when you look at the numbers, uh, you can look at the amount of bottles sold, you can look at the development of prices, uh, what trends do you see uh, going on in the last five to ten years in Bordeaux? Uh,
1: the big trend in the world is a decrease of the consumption in the countries in the south of Europe, like uh, Portugal, Spain, Italy and France, an increase in uh, Northern Europe, an increase in uh, northern america and an increase in asia for example uh, china was nothing 20 years ago and now it's the biggest export market for bordeaux and uh, what we can see also that uh, we have a decrease of uh, red consumption uh, in all countries including france an increase of uh, white dry white and rosé that has big figures and what we see nowadays is that uh, consumption is decreasing in france but because it's increasing for export market, our sales are now 55% in volume in France and 45 export. But if you look at value, it is now more than 50% in value on export and less than 50% in, uh, on the French market. Mm-hmm.
0: So I just recently read that the consumption in China collapsed due to uh, COVID and due to the trade war with Australia. Uh, do you see uh, that this will impact the Bordeaux in France, uh, Bordeaux China trade?
1: Well, as I told you, in 2000 we were selling nothing, like three, uh, three thousand uh, uh, liters, three hundred liters of Bordeaux wine in China, which was zero. And uh, five years ago it was uh, more than eighty millions bottle, eight zero. So it has been a big increase. Then we have had a decrease because uh, Australia and China became friends. And they get an agreement on custom uh, with uh, no tax for import for Australian wine in China. So then uh, sales of bottle wine uh, decrease in China. But since the last uh, eighteen months, there is like fight between Australia and China, and now uh, Australia still have uh, problems to export to China. So we have a big increase for uh, sales of bottle wine in 2021. Last year it was an increase of more than thirty mm-hmm. percent.
0: Uh, does the export to China is this um, mostly the really expensive high-end wine or is it also the normal wine? It starts 10-15 years ago with the very expensive
1: wine with the classified rose uh, especially from the eighty fifty five classification Lafitte, La Tour, Margot the big names and then after that we have all the cheap ones, very cheap ones. so China was importing very expensive and very cheap ones, the two extremes but now, because it's becoming a, a sort of mature market, they are looking for good value. So they are now buying the, the, the middle price and the, the middle range wine. So all the, the wines of, Bo- of Bordeaux are exported to China.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you can uh, give us a small overview about the Bordeaux wine production. Because when you Google Bordeaux, you see a space-aged Petrus, stuff like this. But this is only a small part of Bordeaux. And Bordeaux is much broader and ha- has much more... Uh, different winemaking styles and price ranges so uh, maybe in terms of numbers how many winemakers are high-end how many are middle class how many are basic and cooperatives maybe so to to get an idea of the this is a very good question
1: because the image is not in relation with the reality not at all in fact (laughs) Bordeaux is uh, 110,000 hectares which is the biggest appellation area in France uh, we are producing uh, an average of 5 million hectoliters per hectare, which is uh, 650 uh, million bottle per year, mm-hmm. which is quite a lot. We say that uh, we are opening in the world 20 bottle of bottle of wine every second, night and day, uh, 365 days a year, uh, which is quite a lot. Uh, 90% of that is red, 10% is white, 9% uh, dry white, 1% sweet white. Like Sauternes and Barsac, mm-hmm. and uh, for the red we have uh, 86% which are uh, red, and 4% that are rosé and claret. Mm-hmm. To talk about classified growth, we talk a lot about them, but in fact it's only three or four percent of the uh, production in terms of volume, but of course in terms of value it's much more, something in between 20-25% of the total turnover of Bordeaux, and in terms of image it's even more than 50. So when you talk in China or in the uh, USA about Bordeaux, they will give you the big names. Classified gross of the Médoc, classified growth of Saint-Emilion, Petrus, as you say, for, for mall. But our job is to show that in Bordeaux, we have a large range of wine, including Dry White, Sweet White, Rosé, Crémant de Bordeaux, and also very affordable wine, like Bordeaux, Bordeaux Supérieur, Côte de Bordeaux, uh, Satellite de Saint-Emilion, Cru Bourgeois dans le Médoc, and uh, our job is to show the range of Bordeaux and not only the big names, even if we are very proud to have the big names.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you think that uh, this focus on the big chateaus is problematic for the other producers? Because they, when, when a merchant says, okay, I want to have Bordeaux, they just look for some very specific wineries and all the others get left out? Is this a problem?
1: It can be a problem, but I think it's a chance. Uh, Bernard Farge, who is the chairman of the CIVB, is saying that... And he's not a classified war and he's in the Entre-de-mer production, uh, and he was in charge of Bordeaux Appellation. But he said, hopefully in Bordeaux we have the classified gross, If not, we will be Languedoc. Which is true. I've wo- I was working in Languedoc before working in Bordeaux, and I can tell you that Languedoc will love to have Chateau Lafitte or Chateau Tour or Chateau Margaux in order to increase their image and uh, the knowledge of the appellation. So it helps a lot. But on the other side, on the other hand, the problem is everybody is seeing Bordeaux as expensive wine and we have to spend money to show that Bordeaux is not only expensive, but also affordable. Mm
0: -hmm. So in uh, which ways do you try to communicate this message?
1: The best way to make it is to go and contact the consumers. For example, having the producers, the young Winemakers, uh, men or ladies, going to the consumers in the supermarket, in the restaurant, in the wine shop, and also we are organizing big events like what we call Bordeaux Wine Festival. It's organized, organized now for twenty more than twenty years in uh, in Bordeaux, but it's also organized in Hong Kong, in Quebec, in Brussels, in Liverpool, and in Beijing. So this is a way to go and with winemakers to meet those consumers. And to show them that we also have in Bordeaux affordable wine and not only the the big names. Mm
0: -hmm. So um, if I think about uh, the area image of Bordeaux, uh, I think you are quite successful. So, (laughs) I mean, Bordeaux is the wine area, actually. And um, I think you must have tried different ways to change this image or to form it somehow. And some things must have worked and some things must have not worked. So what, what can you say with your experience about uh, how to brand an area, how to shape the image of an area? How do you do that?
1: In fact, we have changed our strategy in the last years because we are spending a lot of money in uh, advertisements and uh, this is a way to get a high knowledge of the appellation. And Bodo is well known. We are very lucky on that with having the city, which is also well known, getting the same name at the appellation. You don't, you won't find that in Burgundy, you won't find that in the Rhone Valley. And uh, I can tell you that it's a a big chance because when people, when Bordeaux is getting nicer and better and more visited, it helps the wine. And then wine is exported all over the world, it helps the city. So we are linked together, uh, having the same brand as the city or other wine. And uh, we are spending a lot of money in image with advertisements and we understood that now the biggest point is not image is uh, sales. So we in the last five years we have decreased a lot the uh, amount of money we were spending in advert- advertisement and going to more uh, markets, uh, going to uh, shops, restaurants, uh, meaning the distributors, uh, the client and the, the big point is now the, the, the men and women, the, the people. So we want to bottle to become more uh, human and more understandable for the consumers.
0: Mm-hmm. So, uh, for example, the Ecole du Vin is part of this new strategy.
1: Exactly. Even if the Ecole du is old, uh, it has been created thirty years ago. Uh, in 2010, we were thinking of changing our strategy. with not anymore uh, talking about uh, Appellation, but going on Graves Vital. Because in America, they're not talking about saint Emilion and the they brand. are talking about uh, Merlot, Chardonnay, Chardonnay Syrah, yes. uh, and even they are talking about Bordeaux blends, which is a Merlot and Cabernet Sauvignon from South Africa, or Merlot and, Sa- and Cabernet Sauvignon from uh, from Chile, and that's a Bordeaux blend. So we are saying, okay, we are not going to talk anymore about appellation, but we go on uh, uh, grapes, varietal, But that was not the good choice because you can make Merlot all over in the world, you can make Sauvignon Blanc all over in the world. What we have to show is Saint-Emilion, Médoc, Côte de Bordeaux, this, we are the only place in the world that can produce it. But, if you do the ch- this choice, you have to spend a lot of money in education, in communication, uh, explaining the consumers how it works. And Ecole du Vin is a good example of that, with uh, having uh, people working with the consumers, with the professional, explaining them what we have on the left bank, uh, gravel soil, so more Cabernet Sauvignon, planted, one we, one we have on the right bank, more clay and limestone, some more Merlot planted, etc., etc. And even if it's complex, when you explain it, it becomes a story. It becomes uh, a way to promote the wine. It becomes a way to to uh, uh, to get to give value to your wines. So this is a choice we have done, and the Van is a good example of that.
0: Mm-hmm. And what other activities do you guide into this direction to train people about Bordeaux? Because when I think about Bordeaux, it's so overwhelmingly much. Like it's... Bordeaux is like a country on its own. It's so huge. And uh, it's... For for a foreigner who doesn't know where to start, it's actually hard. Bordeaux is big, but you know now it's not easy because
1: we are producing wine in the world of very good quality, uh, all over the world, New Worlds, uh, uh, Spain, Italy, all over the world we are producing very good wines. So, it, it has to be, a, a, it is now a big competition. So, even if Bordeaux is well known and Bordeaux is big, we still have to fight against the new winemakers from all over the world that are making very good wines with a very good value. So, the competition is still on and Bordeaux uh, doesn't have to sleep because uh, the others are still uh, growing.
0: Mm. Yeah, I see that. And um, I think Bordeaux must also be uh, impacted by some new trends. For example, uh, we have the whole uh, climate change debate going on and you said you do research and development here. So, uh, what does uh, Bordeaux do in terms of uh, reacting to this situation?
1: On the last 10, 20 years, uh, warming climate has been a good news for Bordeaux. Because uh, 20, 30 years ago, it was not easy to have a good vintage every year. We are using sugar, for example, to increase our uh, quantity of of alcohol. And with the warming climate, now it's not the case anymore. We are not using sugar for many years because the the climate is helping us. And we are making very good vintage uh, for years on five, for example. So, till now, it has been a good news but we are scared on the future. So if the warming climate is still increasing and the temperature is still increasing in next year, we have to adapt ourselves. So what we have done, for example, with the Bordeaux Appellation, is to uh, allow the use of new grape coming from Spain or coming from Portugal, coming from countries that are known to be uh, warms, warmer than we are, uh, in order to start with those grapevirate oil, to see if it works in Bordeaux,
0: so it will be a uh, Shiraz region.
1: <laughs> not Shiraz, because Shiraz is really a Cote d'Iron uh, varietal. And mm. we don't want to take the varietals from the other ah, region okay. in okay. France. Okay. Uh, Burgundy is Pinot Noir, Rhône is Shiraz, Bordeaux is Merlot. And it's still going to be like that for the Alsace. But we are looking for new uh, great varietals coming from Portugal and Spain. For example, Alvarino, which mm-hmm. could be good for Bordeaux. And we'll see in the next year if it works. And if it works, we will have to adapt ourselves to to this uh, solution. The good point is borrowing in that because we are very close from the ocean and very close from the river, Gironde river, Garon river, and river, warming climate is not such a problem right now because the the summer are not so warm mm. and we don't have a problem of water for example as you can see in other countries in France or in Spain or Australia for example or even the south of France. I was working in the Languedoc before and water is going to be maybe a problem in in Languedoc in the next 10-20 years. Till now, it's not a problem for Bordeaux. Mm
0: -hmm. And uh, do you have uh, topics going on like um, looking for varieties that are fungus resistant?
1: Also, this is a second point because our goal is to decrease the the use of uh, pesticide in uh, cultivating our wines. So many uh, winemakers have tried... uh, uh, grapes all that are resistant to um, to like, like mildew for example and it works quite well the problem is the quality of the grapes is not as good as what we want to make Bordeaux wine so we are investing a lot in research and development in order to get the good varieties in terms of uh, resistance against mildew
0: but making the good quality related to what should be a Bordeaux wine mm. so in, in that sense you have an advantage because uh, the Bordeaux blend allows some varieties to go in there that you can just hide, exactly. and other people will have to write Sovignac on the bottle. <laughs> so, yeah, okay. And uh, do you think? But uh, those,
1: those uh, research developments are now only on small percentage. For example, for the grapes, uh, in order to uh, answer the warming climate problem, it's only five uh, percent of the total of the, the estate, and only ten percent of the blending of the wine. Because we are just trying that. We don't want to change the spirit of Bordeaux uh, in a short time.
0: Just a short interruption, because I want to talk directly to you who are listening to this podcast. I'm Diego. I'm the host of this podcast, obviously. What you maybe do not know is that I'm also active as wine marketing consultant for wineries. And I'm specialized in small and medium-sized family wineries that try to figure out their strategic positioning. This often occurs when the winery faces a generational change. So it's ahead of them or they just did it. And the new owners try to find their identity and the winery's identity. The other scenario where my help is often asked is when wineries change their market. So, for example, from producing bulk wine to bottling wine. Strategic positioning. I can explain this best on my own podcast. So there are many of wine podcasts, mostly talking about food pairing and stuff. There's one podcast for wine professionals talking about how to make money in the wine industry. This is mine. And this is very special. So this leads to platforms like wine plus it's 230,000 members, 30,000 of them are professionals working together with me, or Vitisphere, the main French medium for wine-growing, working together with me. Or Ives, the worldwide corporation of wine research institutes, working together with me because of my strategic positioning. But this is also possible for wineries. But when I look around, most of the wineries I see, they have a me-too positioning. Meaning, look at me, I also do organic wine. Or I also do vegan wine. Or I also have a vineyard in this area or I also produce orange wine, or what have you. So this is positioning, but it's not good. Let me tell you the story of one of my customers. It's Terra Preta Weingut Hoppert, meaning Terra Preta Winery Hoppert. And so together we positioned them as the only winery that has its brand centered around the use of Terra Preta. Why is this important because if you check this stuff out it has a huge community on youtube you can buy it in grocery stores uh, television channels are reporting about it joe rogan podcast is reporting about it and no wine maker got the idea to use it as his strategic positioning So instead of saying, yeah, I'm Organic Winery Huppert, we can say I'm Terra Preta Winery Huppert. This is good strategic positioning and I consulted them and I helped them to change their whole brand around this new identity. And the effect of it is that they now can sell their wine where no other winery is selling because they are part of the Terra Preta community from now on. And if you want to learn how strategic positioning can help you grow your business and stabilize your income, do not hesitate to contact me. I do my consulting locally because I travel the wine world a lot, but also online via Zoom or video conferences. And so just contact me and we can talk about what is possible. So um, if if you had the possibility to... Create the image of Bordeaux right from the start now. What would you focus on?
1: Our main point today is uh, what we call RSE in French, uh, sustainability. Sustainability because this is going to, to be the, the, the main point for consumers in the next years. When I was buying product, shoes or clothes 20 years ago, I was looking at quality and price. Now my kids, they are 20 years old and they are looking only at quality and price. They are looking at who is doing the product. uh, Is the people working for this company is well-treated and all that. So this is going to be the main point, I think, especially for uh, a product like food and beverage. So we have to uh, improve a lot on this point. We are much, much better today than we were 10, 20 years ago. But we have to be even better on this point in the next 10, 20 years because it's going to be the the, the next point for uh, wine production. Who is... Uh, looking at the environment, who is looking at the consumer, and who is looking at the workers working in the fields, who is looking at the neighbors of the estate. So that's going to be the main point. I think it has to be the central
0: point of our strategy in the next years. Mm. I uh, just uh, saw that in uh, Pomerol the use of herbicide was totally shut down. And is this uh, like a top-down decision or do the winemakers support this? Both, it
1: is a top-down decision, but it has to be supported by the winemakers because the winemakers from the different appellation are voting the, the rules. So they have to agree that we are decreasing the use of glyphosate, for example, and uh, uh, increasing the, the, the production of organic wine in Bordeaux, uh, increasing the production of wine-certified uh, 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 HVE, uh, Haute Valeur Environnementale. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, with the new generation, there is also a big change because all the people that were... Uh, going at the university during the sixties or seventies, they were they have in mind only the production point and not the environment. But now, if you go to a, a university in, in Bordeaux for wine, one of the mo- mo- most important point is going to be environment and how
0: to, to produce wine uh, with the smallest smallest impact on the environment. Mm-hmm. Um, the HVE certificate. Do you also have something to do with it, or is it from another institution?
1: It is from another institution. It's given by the government. Mm-hmm. It has been created by the French government, the agriculture ministry. And it's not only for wine but for all agriculture. And they are looking at, uh, are you uh, in line with all the rules? Uh, what are you doing with the water? What are you doing with the dirty water after using mm-hmm. it? Uh, it's very different from organic. You cannot compare organic and HVE. But
0: both are very good because it is improving the the quality of the the practices. Mm. I heard rumors that in some years it might be a must-have. So you need to be certificated. Right now, not? No. Is it sure that this will come?
1: Yes, I think so. Uh, Now in Bordeaux, we have 75% of the estates that are uh, certified as a a sustainable uh, strategy, which Mm. could be... uh, uh, organic uh, biodynamic or HVE or terrarities and uh, the, the the government is asking that for 2030 in the next 8 years uh, 100% of the, the production has to be certified uh, as a sustainable
0: production mm-hmm. and you have no opposition against that
1: it's a sense of the history of course some old winemakers say oh come on I'm doing my wine for 50 years and I was always do, doing like this. But it changed. When I was a kid during the 70s, I was uh, in the car with my parents, seated behind them, with no seat belt, with no special seats. They were smoking cigarette in the front. Nowadays, who is doing to do that? Nobody. Yes. So it's just the same for agriculture.
0: Yes. Uh, okay, I get that. And uh, I will go deep into this topic uh, with some other winemakers who are... Uh, ahead of this uh, development and so we don't need to go here but uh, i would i would like to ask you something um when you have experience in two different wine growing areas what from your personal position what are the benefits and the downsides of the emprimeur system i mean this is so unique and uh, i i think also it is a very old system and uh, is it still um modern so does it fit into our times
1: i think so at the beginning it has been created because the estate doesn't have enough money to produce their wine so they were uh, selling it before the production and uh, before the aging so they get some money to edge the wine and to bottle it and then it becomes a way to for the consumers to make reservation for example for big labels we were talking about petrus uh, a few minutes ago, Petrus's production is very small. If you want to be sure to get some bottle, you have to buy them en primeur. And the other point is that if you buy a bottle 100 euros, and then two or three years after that is going to be two or 300, it's good to buy en primeur. So everybody is making money, everybody is happy. The estate had the money earlier. The wine merchant is sure to sell the wine, and everybody is making good money, including the distributors, including the consumers. Because the value of the wine, when it's delivered, is higher than what you have uh, paid uh, two years before. So I think it's a good system, and the economy of it works well. Of course, you can have good vintages, bad vintages. When Robert Parker was uh, giving grades to wines, uh, it changed the price of the vintage, for example. Because if Robert Parker said this vintage is very good in Bordeaux, the price was going up, and everybody wanted to buy it. So it's something like... uh, Uh, speculation people want to make money with that and it's part of it we have to say that it's a very small part of bordeaux it's only a three four percent of the production
0: but it works and everybody's happy with that Mm -hmm. and uh, as far as i understand the this market system is very fixed so it's hard to come in as a new person and uh, also for the producers they can't get out of it so uh, how, how do you see this, this fixed situation?
1: Some are trying to get out of it. You, go, you get, uh, for example, Chateau Latour that is saying, I'm not going to sell uh, en premier wine anymore. I prefer to edge the wine and sell it after that because I don't need the money for that. But uh, it's true that it's uh, when uh, an estate has a certain number of bottles to sell, he has, we'll say, uh, two, three, four brokers and said, OK, you will have 10% of my production, you will have 20% of my production, you will have 30% of my production. And they are going to see the wine machine and okay, I can give you X number of bottles of Chateau Lafitte, X number of bottles of Chateau La Tour. And so everybody is doing his reservation and regarding at what the market is asking, uh, the, the, everybody is doing his business. What is important to understand is that even if we have had the crisis for 2020 and 2021 with the COVID, the... Luxury market is doing very well. Yes. And uh, LVMH, for example, is doing a lot of money during those two years. So classified growths are like those products. We are not considering this wine as a normal wine business. It's something very special with very high price. It's luxury. So it's a special uh, part of uh, our business. And it is doing very well right now. It has never been better than today, in fact. Mm-hmm. Thanks to Hong Kong, China, US, those you have more and more very rich people in the world, and those people, they want the best, and they think that the best one in the world is France, the best in France is Bordeaux, the best in Bordeaux is 1855, and the best in 1855 is uh, Lafitte, La Latour, Margot and Aubryon, for example. Mm.
0: Okay, I understand. And from your personal perspective, uh, when people talk about Bordeaux, for example, in a new person like me, we always focus on this primeur market, on these, uh, on these super high-class chateaux, Uh, what do you think should be mentioned more and should be put in focus more than just this luxury market?
1: All the rest of the production. Uh, When I go to China, when I go to America, I'm asking consumers, do you know Bordeaux? I said, yes, we do, Hmm. which is good news. Okay, are you consuming Bordeaux? No, no, it's not for me, it's too expensive. You know, it's a little like uh, Rolls-Royce for cars. Everybody in the the world knows Rolls-Royce, but nobody wants to pay for it because they can't afford it. And Bordeaux has this image, very well known, but very expensive, thanks to the classified gross. Our job is to show that in Bordeaux, yes, we have the classified gross, and we are very proud of this, but we have also a large range of wine, very affordable, starting in France from 3 euros, for example, easy red wine, uh, dry white, sweet white, rosé, and uh, we have to change this image in order to show the consumers that in Bordeaux, we have all the range for the special occasion, but also uh, uh, everyday consumption of wine. Mm.
0: So, um, if some wine professionals, for example, some winemakers who travel the world or somebody else, if they come here for the first time, uh, what would you recommend them to, where, where, should they go to? What should they do to experience the full range of Bordeaux?
1: They all want to see the big names, but I'm going to tell them, go and see other appellations that are not known and very good with the very best value you go to entre de mer region you go to côte de bordeaux you go to very small appellation with family estates small estates something like 15 20 at the maximum hectares uh, owned by a family uh, all the family is doing his own wine for generation they are passionate people and they do a very very good quality wine at a very good price so this is where you can find the the best value in bordeaux i think
0: mm-hmm.
1: middle range we are very, very good in the middle range in Bordeaux. We are not good to produce very cheap wine because the cost of production in France are higher than South Africa, South America or Chile. So, very cheap wines, we are not good. Hmm. Very expensive wine, we are good, but they are well-known wine and I won't say that it's a good value wine. It's the big names one more time. The 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 best uh, um, value for Bordeaux, I, for, from my point of view, is something in between 5 to 20 euros and you will have very, very good wine at those prices. Very good quality for cheap, cheap mm. price. Mm.
0: Um, I want to ask another question that goes in a very different direction. Because um, coming from Germany, we have uh, the German Wine Institute, which is comparable to what you do. I mean, it's for all over Germany. You're just just for Bordeaux, which is bigger than Germany in terms of wine production, in, in terms of hectares at least, I think. Um, but I know that this institute in Germany, it has, it gets some uh, valid critique points from winemakers, and they say, okay, we have to pay for you, and you focus so much on export, and we are many wineries who just do domestic uh, sales. So what do I get from this? I have to pay, and I can imagine that uh, this institution here also gets some critique, maybe the same, maybe different. And what is the critique and what is valid? So how could you improve as institution?
1: It is exactly the same that what you said for uh, Germany. Uh, people that are sitting in France are saying, well, cibb is spending money to export and I'm not sitting on export market, so cibb is not working for me. And I'm answering, well, we are promoting bottle wines on export market and those wine exported are not in competition with you in France. So if we do, don't export those wines, they, they are going to be sold in France and they are going to be in competition with your wine so it's also good that Bordeaux is importing part of your of his wine so uh, all Bordeaux production is not sold in France and there's not a big competition in France but it is true that we are receiving sometimes critics especially when business is doing bad uh, when business is doing well it's not sense to see but when business is doing bad it's cause of CIB and uh, selling the the wine market in the world which much more complicated than what is in the end of the CIBB for example, when uh, the Trump administration created the tax Trump on the wine regarding the fight in between uh, Airbus and Boeing, what could the CIB do to, uh, to provide that? Nothing. And it has decreased our sales to uh, USA a lot. Same with China. What is going to happen if we have a, a fight in between Europe and China and then they decided to stop the import of bottled wine? So this is a problem. We are not able to uh, manage everything. But we are responsible for everything regarding our winemakers. And also when the winemakers said, well, uh, Classified Gross are doing very well, so CIVB is working for them. No, no, we are not working more for Classified Gross than small wines. We are working for all the the production in Bordeaux. But we are sometimes criticized with uh, when the business is not doing well. And it has been the case during those two years with the COVID crisis.
0: Mm. Yeah, so I think uh, many wineries are facing the problem that uh, the the buying customs change. So um, in, in Germany they say yeah, people used to come and uh, buy a truckload of wine and then come back again next year and always buy like 100 bottles. This is not happening anymore. People buy one bottle here, one bottle there, on occasion on the internet. And So um, what, what actions do you actually take to uh, improve the domestic market and to change the domestic market?
1: This is very difficult because the consumption of wine in France is decreasing. It is decreasing since uh, 60 years. Uh, in value
0: or in amount? Uh,
1: volume. Volume, volume. It's decreasing in volume. Uh, during the 50s, the consumption in France was something like 150 liters per year and per people. 150. Now it's only uh, 42, 43 liters per inhabitants per year. So, in fact, consumption has decreased in volume. But it, the in value is the same. So people are drinking less, but are drinking better. Which is good. You don't anymore have a table wine in France. Consumer table wine is very low. And uh, uh, people drinking table wines are all people. Uh, this is not the future. The future is the young generation, which is drinking wine not every meal, not every day, but maybe on Friday evening because they have a party with friends, maybe on Sunday uh, lunch because they have a, a family lunch and so the quality of the wine is different and also the sort of the wine is different when you're having a classic dinner with meat with a a starter main course cheese and dessert it's not the same as having an aperitif with friends with finger food and in from a TV because there's a football game so we have to understand that and to uh, have evolution also on the profiles on the sort of wine we are producing because Because the consumer, the consumption is changing, we have also to adapt our product. And many years ago, people were buying 120 bottles of the same chateau, putting them in the cellar and drinking them for two, three, five years sometimes. Now it's not the case. As you said, people are going to the wine shop at 6 p.m. on Saturday because they have a dinner and they are going to drink it two hours after that. Before the time in between buying and consuming was large. Now it's becoming shorter and shorter. Yeah, so the wine style has to,
0: the, the wines have to be drinkable exactly. very early. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Uh,
1: selling a wine and saying, well, you can drink that in uh, 20 more years, that doesn't work anymore. Who is keeping the wine for 20 years? A mm.
0: very small part of the consumers. Which is actually a funny problem. I, uh, I interviewed uh, François Audouz. Do you know him? Yeah. Yes. And he talked about the same thing. And he said, uh, I'm so in love with these old Chateau wines and the new ones, I cannot drink them <laughs> because the <laughs> style changed. I mean, okay, he, he is very special in what he does. But um, do you think this will benefit long term, the, the image of these very expensive Chateaus? But...
1: Again, it's a very small market. You will have a, you will always have a market for Ferrari, but you are not using your Ferrari to go for shopping. Yes. So it's not the same use. Uh, sometimes it's good to have a Ferrari for a
0: special event, but every day you are not using your Ferrari. But, but the style, the the style change of wines is important for all winemakers. So everybody wants to have the newest harvest that must taste like it's three or four years old. Right? Okay. I get it. So this is why we are using more oxygen uh,
1: during the vinification. Uh, we are also trying to get a wine with less alcohol, less tannins. The, the highest concentration is not the best today. It was uh, what we were looking for 20 years ago. But now we are looking for more fruity wine, uh, digest wine. It has to be uh, good to drink and good to finish. Mm. If you open a bottle and you just drink that and you don't want any more, it doesn't work. Yes.
0: And uh, what view do you have on the um, production of, um, I think, uh, Verne de Pay? It's uh, like the wine styles, the unfiltered styles, the orange wines. This is increasing in Bordeaux. There's a new generation of winemakers who start this.
1: It's uh, um, what we call uh, IGP in Bordeaux. is called Vingt Pays d'Aquitaine. Mm-hmm. And it's a very small production. And Vincent J is also a very small production. Ninety more than ninety-five percent, more than ninety-seven percent, uh, especially this year, of the production is appellation d'origine contrôlée.
0: Yeah, but uh, uh, it's not about the the uh, the name, the category. It's more about the the style of wines that they need this category for. For example, Petnard and all these crazy wine styles. Do you see an increase in demand? Yes, of them? course.
1: We have, uh, this, this this uh, we have more and more vin sans soufre. We have more and more vin with. Uh, uh, for example even if the image and the history of Bordeaux is blending the grapes vital. we can have uh, 1% Malbec or 1% Petit Verdot Cuvee
0: uh, but to this, be different this is, this is very uh, this goes against your idea of imaging the Bordeaux no you know? no, no 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 we have to be modern
1: uh, the image of Bordeaux is not uh, uh, is changing Bordeaux wines today are not the same as uh, what it was 20 years ago and even less what it was 50 years ago so the production of wine has to change uh, this is why we are looking for new grapes vital uh, what is going to be the co- consumption in 20-30 years we have to adapt our production so we will find consumers if you don't change you're dead Produ- produce- produce- producing wine is a, uh, an, uh, an evolution yes. and it has to be regarding the climate regarding the consumers regarding the, the environment regarding the, everything So this is why making one is quite difficult. You have to uh, use rules, but to adapt uh, rules to not too rigid because exactly
0: it's suicidal rules. Exactly, and
1: plus you can have the weather. You can have hailstorm. You can have
0: frost. Mm. So it's not as an easy job. Mm. But people doing it are very passionate. Do you see um, the? um, Increasing in production costs, for example, uh, in materials, paper, for labels, everything is raising and we have inflation going on, like, I mean, it's connected, but uh, uh, I think uh, the wine sector is hit quite hard. If you have big amounts of bottles, big volumes you produce, I have people telling me in Germany, I can't find uh, cartons anymore. The whole European market is empty when I look at the amounts of cartons that I need. So uh, do you see this as a big problem? And yes, it is. Is, is it become to uh, going to become a chronic problem or is it just right now because of the pandemic?
1: This has, I don't know, pandemic has created problems in terms of logistics, in terms of uh, material, and uh, the the cost uh, is increasing. And because we have a small uh, harvest in 2021, only 3.8 million hectoliters, uh, also that has increased the cost of production for, for producers. So producers think today, well... All the costs are increasing, so we have to uh, sell our wines more expensive. If not, we are going to lose money. So that's going to be a problem. I, I do hope that we will find solution when the pandemic is going to be finished. Then the logistic and all that are going to start again normally.
0: Yes. Yeah, we have the exact same problem in, the, in Germany. Um, I'm also working as a consultant for wineries, and the main topic I talk about and give uh, workshops about is how to increase your prices without losing your customers. Exactly, I mean, this is <laughs> so hard to do, and uh, there are strategies, but it's, uh, it's a tough thing. And uh, what what do you see uh, producers doing in Bordeaux? To uh, what what strategies do they use to deal with this situation?
1: Trying to oh. find solutions. Uh, is it
0: still a big question mark? Get
1: or? Getting bigger and uh, you also have the cooperatives that are helping the producers to lower the cost of production. Mm. Uh, some producers are saying we need to be bigger in order to decrease our cost of production. So everybody is trying to find his own solution. There's not only one solution for everybody. Uh, each company has to find his solution regarding his money, his knowledge, in his uh, history.
0: Mm. So, and One last question I would like to uh, ask, because um, uh, in Germany we have this uh, phenomenon, it's called the um, structure change of the industry. Uh, so the dying out of small wineries, of bright wineries, of um, grape, berry producers, and I think in France uh, you have the same process going on. Is it, uh, is it a problem in Bordeaux as well, or is it in other areas? No, what we see in Bordeaux is the the estate getting
1: bigger and bigger. As I told you, 40 years ago, the average of estate was 2 hectares. It is now 20. So, uh, uh, 20, 40 uh, years ago, some people were uh, were having a job during the week and they were working in the vines the weekend. This is not possible anymore. Uh, To be a winemaker in Bodo uh, is very professional. You have to do it 100%, even 150% because it is a real job. So... Uh, here we have this change but one merchant cooperatives are doing their job and we are trying to find like an an equilibrium between all that the most important point is to have an equilibrium before between uh, offer and demand when you are producing more than what you are selling the cost the price is going down and the company are
0: dying Hmm. so uh What do you do with all the people who have to sell their vineyards? Because this is very tough. I mean, this is the last thing you want to do as a winemaker.
1: I know, but this is the big, big deal, especially now, because we have uh, more than 35% of the winemakers that are more than uh, 55 years old. So in the next 10 years, you will have one third of the estates to be sold. So either we have to find new winemakers coming from new generation, or see the neighbors if they can buy and getting bigger but uh, the, the the economy uh, equilibrium is not
0: solved yet. Mm-hmm. In uh, Germany we have this um, this situation if I remember the, the numbers correctly it's like one out of four wineries has no successor and it's not because they don't have children it's because the Children say, we don't want this business, we we will only get debt and uh, economical crisis. This is the same in France. Young generation, they
1: say, no, we don't want to work in the field because it's too hard. Uh, you work uh, lots of hours every week. You're not sure to make money if you have problem with a uh, hailstorm or with frost. It's a very, very difficult problem. So we have also to work on that, how to create... a uh, uh, a good image for the job so young generation will buy estate or will work in the vineyard we also have a big problem in France with uh, uh, labor because uh, if you look at a restaurant they can't find workers anymore same in the construction but it's, coming, it's becoming the same in agriculture it's more and more difficult to find workers to work in agriculture because it's not an easy job hmm. even if it's a nice job uh, I think that all the strategy regarding a sustainable development and environment
0: is going to help us to get new generation coming to the the wine business. And uh, do you, uh, with your institution, do you have pro- like uh, support programs for new people who want to start wineries? Like, uh, do you show them how to sell wine? I mean. Uh, Like, in the, in the, a bit like what I'm trying to do with my podcast. I mean, I I talk about the art of selling wine, how to start new brands. And I do this because I see the problem in Germany and I don't want to wake up in an industry with just like a thousand wineries anymore. And it's all industrial uh, producing. I mean, it's nice that they can do it, but there's so much loss of culture. And uh, so what do you do here in France? I had a
1: call last Friday with a, A man from Paris uh, who has sold his business in Paris and just bought an estate. And he called me and said, uh, I'm ju- "I just bought the estate. I don't know the wine business very well. I need you to come and visit my estate and to give me uh, advices on uh, how to produce, how to sell, and uh, what can I do." So I'm trying to help them and to give them the good contacts for production, for sales, because we are not doing to do the job, but we are trying to help. Uh, be, be, uh, Going uh, the go-between between the, 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 the yeah. new investors and the, 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 the workers here in order to help them to invest because starting uh, uh, the job at the winemaker today is not easy neither no, no. It, it seems easy from the outside because you think that you only work in uh, September <laughs> during the harvest and then you uh, have the nice view on the vines all the year and your friends are going to come and buy you the wine but the, the, the reality is not like that you have hard work all the world, all the year, and uh, you have to find uh, uh, markets for your business. For your, your, you have to find markets for your sales, for your bottles. And this is nowadays the most important point.
0: Mm.
1: Wine estate that are doing well, they, are, they have a, a good organization for their sales. And this is the key point nowadays.
0: So, um, I think the, the whole topic of uh, wine consultation is very important, right? And uh, I just interviewed uh, Pauline Lapierre from Chateau Audriant and she uh, <laughs> it was half a joke, half true. She said, if there are 7,000 wineries, we have about 10,000 consultants here. <laughs> Is it really like this?
1: Not as much, but it's true. You, if you have seen that uh, Michel Roland, for example, for yes. consulting in uh, Analogy, he was so famous because uh, everybody wanted him to consult for wine because... The wine he was doing well, well noted by Robert Parker. So after that, it's going to be uh, easier to sell your wine. So consultants are important, but the most important guy in the estate is the winemaker himself. Mm.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think this is a good statement point, and I, we are reaching the quarter, three quarters of an hour mark, and uh, we said we would stop here and leave the rest to the winemakers and to the merchants who I will interview and. Many of the topics we uh, touched today will get deepened in this uh, episode and I'm very happy uh, that you invited me.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Yeah, this was really an interesting interview to me because uh, the position... Christophe is in a very very political position so I was uh, interested to see what kind of answers I would get to my questions and um, I think we explored quite some topics that need further exploration so uh, I decided um, to do this interview uh, in the beginning of my Bordeaux series Um, and I took it as part of an uh, kind of an inspiration for my later interviews so uh, many of the topics you will see coming up again and again and again and i discuss them with different persons who are in the private business in bordeaux and uh, who have very very different perspectives on what's going on in bordeaux and also what the image of bordeaux is and who benefits from it so uh, understand this as a, yeah my kind of exploration uh, for what is going to come in this episode and uh, no in this series that I'm launching right at the moment. And if you get excited by conversations like this, please uh, do me the favor and recommend this to a friend. Thanks for listening.